Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A TARDIS OF ONE'S OWN. A queer feminist journey through time and space and new who! Happy New Year! <laughs> Happy New Year! 2024. Mm, what the fuck? <laughs> How did that happen? I think it's still 2019? Unclear. So bizarre. Like, in a few years, we'll be like, the 20s. And we won't mean the 1920s. Like, what? <laughs> the 2020s. We'll have new 20s, so we'll always have to say the 1920s. Yeah, which is, as you pointed out many times last episode, 100 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. Listening back to that ad was very funny for you to be like, what? Why did you do that? <laughs> like, what do you mean it's 100 years ago? <laughs> yeah, it's wild, Just like yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. So, um, festive period has happened since the last time we recorded. Yes. How are you doing? Survived. Okay. Got through it. Yeah. Had family visiting. I love my family. But when you don't see your parents for basically a year and then spend 10 days 24-7 with them, it is a lot. It's a lot to Mm. deal with. I don't particularly like the person I become in those moments, but... You know, we're we're flawed individuals. We're learning. We're growing. Trying to be graceful with myself. Graceful? I don't know. Treat myself with grace, anyway. We do the best we can. How about you? How was your festive period? Same on a slightly smaller scale. Haven't seen my family for a while. Went back to visit them and stay with them for only four days. Mm. Yeah, man. Like, I don't, it just gets hard. <laughs> like, every time. I, I think it... Without too much assessment of it, I think the people we are, while still, you know, having lots of in common and, like, I have a good relationship with them, the people we are just get further and further apart as I get older and they get older. Yeah, and as I was saying to my housemate, I think part of the problem is that I feel like they don't know me, but they think they do. It's like they know who I was when I was 24 and they've not really allowed for further growth and there's not been much curiosity to explore the person I am. Mm, okay. So it feels like they think they know me and they know everything about me, but I feel like they don't really have any curiosity about who I am or what my day-to-day life is like, you know? Which is interesting. But I think what I also struggle with is because I don't see them a lot, my parents. When I do see them, the fact that they're getting older is so stark, you know? Mm, yeah. It's hard. It's confronting. It's a lot, man. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, just because I come from a very long way away, I feel very responsible for like making sure they're having a good time and that they're comfortable and everything is fine. They've come a long way. And then so I'm like constantly on running around, like looking after them. It's just not very relaxing. No, it's hosting pressure like uh, turned up to max volume. Yeah. I think next time I will suggest that we go somewhere else, like go on a holiday, go to Queenstown and I'll yeah. meet them there, you yeah. know, because then I am also away and it feels less like I have to do everything. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, and you're not, like, in your house and so making sure that bathrooms are clean or, like, food's in the fridge and, like, all that stuff. Yeah. Everyone's happy and fed and activities and things. Mm. Yeah. Oh, friend. I know, it's been a lot. But that's okay. I, like, I don't want anyone to think that I don't love my parents because I do, but... Yeah, you can hold many emotions at once. It's just difficult. Yeah. Anyway... Well, the thing we're not talking about is we're coming close to the end of our Christmas holiday. Let's denial. And so if our acoustics do sound different, that's mm. because we are recording in 
the study of my new place. So the last recording we talked about that I'd moved house. So yep. I'm like a month into new place. And this is the first time recording in the study. So we'll see how it comes out. But I yeah, think, yeah, it's cozy. Yeah. Should be fine. Yeah. Cute. We are agile. <laughs> yes. Flexible. <laughs> Well, okay, shall I kick us off with the episode summary? Please do. So in episodes eight and nine of season four, Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead, Donna and the Doctor visit a planet-sized library. They soon realise that the planet is devoid of a life until River Song and her team of archaeologists arrive. As they unravel the library's mystery, something lurks in the shadow. The Vashta Narada! <laughs> with the library darkening, the Doctor tries to save the day while figuring out what links River Song to his future. Meanwhile, Donna uncovers the mystery of Dr. Moon and the girl. Yeah. A lot going on. A lot going on. Passes the Bigdale. Passes the Bigdale. Fuck yeah. Definitely does. Yeah. I... Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Don't remember this episode. And I think upon reflection, it's because I've never seen it. Oh, so interesting. So I think we've got... We've reached the point where I was at uni. Mm-hmm. In, when they came out in real time. I was at uni and had lost track and like dropped watching because of life. Yeah. So, and I never went back and watched them, the ones I yeah. missed. I kind of picked it up again from Matt Smith for a little bit. Yeah. But I think this is the gap of Dr. Tennant. Dr. Tennant? <laughs> Dr. Ten. Dr. Tennant. <laughs> sure. <laughs> this is the gap of Ten that, yeah, I never saw first time. So yeah. I remember never knowing when River Song appeared first. Yeah. And this is now. This is yeah. origin story. I will say this is probably my favourite disc, the one that you currently have, mm. of this era of Doctor Who, like the first four seasons. You know, the RTD era, if you were to say it that way, because then Matt Smith is Stephen Moffat, right? Ah, uh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. So this disc that you currently have, which is this one, Silence of the Library, Forest of the Dead, and Midnight, I think is probably some of the strongest episodes that we've had of mm. Doctor Who so far. I particularly really love Midnight, so I can't wait to talk about that one next Yeah, week. awesome. They're good yeah. episodes. Yeah, I would say that it's probably the double I've enjoyed the most. Mm. Did you find it scary? I did find it a bit scary, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah You thank you for trigger warning me with the scared of the dark thing. <laughs> Context to listeners, I'm quite scared of the dark. Yeah. Always have been. Gets a bit worse, gets a bit better, but it's fine. But yeah, this was definitely like a bit, woo. Yeah, I love that line in this as well when the doctor says, why do you think we've always been afraid of the dark? And I'm like, haha, so who will like this? <laughs> There's something lurking in the dark. Yeah, I think it's, it's a proper primitive thing to be like we are vulnerable as fuck at night time yeah things are lurking predators can get you yeah and we're weak we are weak mammals compared to other mammals yeah and we don't have great night vision no we don't <laughs> eat more carrot that's probably myth, not I real think. not real <laughs> well okay let's do our discussion question yes so i tossed up between two possible ones the other one that i was thinking about was this idea that you can't be pretty and be smart because of the way that they treat I've forgotten the name. Miss Evangelista? Yeah, that's something. The one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, everyone is so dismissive of her because she's, you know, pretty. Mm. But what I actually wanted to talk about was stories because this is set in the library. It's all about books being preserved, stories being preserved, this idea that your legacy can continue on long after you've left the world because you can write it down, right? Yep. But it also made me think of Hamilton, which is the whole, like, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. And the way history is preserved from one particular point of view. So yes, these books contain the history of the world, but it's only one person's perspective of that history, right? Yeah. And in our lived history, that's mainly been recorded by white men. So what does that mean? And also that whole thing about history being written by the victors and how important it then is to make sure that you get accounts from different perspectives, primary sources, secondary sources. Like you need a variety mm-hmm. to try and understand the truth of a matter and can objective truth even exist when you're looking at something that's been recorded. 
yeah hell yeah and the harder that gets the further away from the time you get yeah and i yeah. was sort of laboring under the misapprehension that maybe this used to be a problem like you know stories were written histories were written by white men but we don't do that anymore but when i was very briefly googling this i found an article from 2016 so not that long ago Slate did some research on history titles, 614 history titles published in the US in 2015 by different 80 different presses, and they found that 75.8 were written by men. Biographies accounting for 21% of the book samples were mostly written about and by men. 71% of the biographies had male subjects, with male authors writing 87% of them. And biographies with female subjects, meanwhile, were written almost entirely by women, with just 6% of male biographies written by women. And it went on to say in the UK it was the same as well, it showed that in the last year, so that was 2015, there were just four solo female authors appearing in the top 50 best-selling history titles. One of them was Mary Beard, who is also a white woman. Yep. So even though it is a different female perspective, it's still a white perspective, right? Yeah. There's a Guardian article on it that I'll pop in the show notes, but it says as well, like, how women can only write about women and for female subjects. So, like, more likely to do fashion biographies or about queens or mistresses whereas men almost exclusively write about like wars and especially world war ii is the domain of men yeah so what does that mean and Mm -hmm. like we've spoken about that before about the literary translations as well like people translating the iliad or translating the odyssey and it's always been men translating it and when a woman translates it suddenly you get different nuance in the writing different nuance in the meaning so what do we lose when history is only ever recorded by white men (laughs) Yeah, from one very specific focus. I mean, it's kind of a bit cliche, but, you know, history is written by the victors. Yeah. And it becomes a real effort to find other accounts. And also how resistant people are about that. Like, you've got a lot of, in the US, a particularly black revisionist history happening, right? And how resistant white people are to that. Like, how dare you say the stuff about our founding fathers? But of course, if you were a black person in America, your experience was very different to say, white people, ah, what a shock, you know? So of course your accounting of history would be different. And I think if you, as the victor, if we're taking this like history is written by the victors, they're never going to try and make themselves look bad. Like, they're never going to do horrible things. They're just going to gloss over the horrible things they did and the the conquering and the winning of wars. A hundred percent. Especially if you, as white person, not necessarily even like a direct descendant, but just existing in a world Mm. built by these dead heroes, are then benefiting from them. And it turns out that actually they weren't nice men. They didn't make good choices. They exploited Mm. their whatever. And it's like, well, you're standing... On their success and then yeah. what does it say of you and i think that's where people get really like you get a defense because of guilt yeah and it's always like well that wasn't me so why do i have to pay yeah i'm not racist yeah like and, i have uh, black friends you know yeah. that kind of <laughs> i didn't do anything so why do i have to pay for it and it's just such a it's just a real lack of wanting to examine how you got to where you are because at the end of the day you know like You've got no control over where you're born or who you're born to. It's yeah. p- pure luck of the draw. Yeah. And no one wants to sit there and think about that. No one wants to, like, everyone wants to believe that they've earned what they've got and that they've worked hard for it. But there is systemic biases and there are privileges that we have, whether or not you think of yourself as privileged, just through your sheer birth, you have been born into certain kinds of privilege or not. Yeah. And that is based on a, a long history, right? You can't just be like, well, I didn't. I'm not racist. I don't own slaves. That wasn't me. So why do I have to now step aside or, you know, this whole conversation around reparations, which is very fraught for a lot of people. Mm. And especially if you are older and have had a certain view, 
the stories that you were told as a child that you grew up with, then that gets thrown into doubt because mm. it's a different era. There's different politics, there's different ways of looking at situations and being like, actually, that wasn't okay. Then it becomes a thing of like, holy fuck, like everything that I thought when I was little, yeah, everything isn't I thought, true. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's you have to massive. reframe how you think or look at people, right? Being like, mm. this person might have been a hero of yours, and now you're like, ah, it's like when they get me tooed. Yeah, fucking hell. When they get me tooed, there's one aspect of it for sure. Another one that springs to mind is when notable, I would say pretty exclusively white men, mm. statues oh, yeah. in places because they've bequeathed a fucking department somewhere and it turns out that they were horrible, misogynistic, racist slave owners. And so they want to do a, hey, we want to take it down. And then everyone's like, no, you know, not everyone. Like, yeah, they're supporters of said white dead hero get really affronted by it because mm. what because you think they're going to come for you next like and that's like i used the example when i brought up the discussion question about hamilton right and one of the criticisms mm. of hamilton is that it glorifies george washington in a way who himself owned slaves right and that never comes up it just never comes up george washington because he's such a hero in the yeah. american folklore right and you can say that oh that was just the time that was just a thing of the time which is Fine, you can acknowledge that that was the context, but it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it right. You don't get to just absolve people because of that. Yeah. No, I agree. Contextual understanding can come from taking that into account, but it's not a justifiable reason. Mm. Because there were many people at that time who were voices saying, you know, for abolition. Yeah. That's one thing aspect of it. And if we think about you know, who writes your story, who records your history. I think it's really interesting in the context of the episode because you've got the Doctor and River sort of writing a history that has already been written because mm. River already knows information. She knows things, right? She's got a whole book and she's like trying to, like, where are we at with this? Where are we meeting in this timeline? And the Doctor has no idea what she's talking about. Yeah. And then how much of that is preordained, right? Like, because... You know, he's making such an effort to get to know her because he knows she already knows him. Yeah. So where does that... like? That's it's the really interesting. Stuff, it's the time. Right? There's a lot of timey-wimey stuff. Yeah. And yeah, so presumably there'll be a point where he meets her and he knows her because of this interaction, but she's meeting him for the first time, mm. which will be when she's younger than she is now. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Again, you can tell that Stephen Moffat is obsessed with the time travelers' wife. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the same thing. It's, it hundred percent is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. I think one one last point on the stories thing that kind of relates to this episode is not just by whom, but how stories are preserved. Mm, mm, mm. So, like, we on Earth have this big shift between what is rudely called prehistory, e.g., <laughs> anything before we started writing stuff down, mm -hmm. which is kind of a bit. I don't know, it's a sweeping point to make that actually, like, there's no history before that point. Mm. Because what? Because it's all oral? Like, it's just being passed down from mm. story to story told? And that's, like, quite a Western world who loves writing perspective. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like, the different ways that things are recorded, what survives. Yeah. You know, vast majority of stuff written on paper and forms of easily mm. rottable paper haven't survived to the modern day. And then this, so this massive planet-sized library, which we are told... You know, exists in the future and it has the history of the universe and it has it all in books which is really interesting but also in a digital form mm. because it's kind of implied that it's not just humans history it's like everyone's histories and everyone's works so that's really cool that idea that it's taking all these different perspectives and hopefully different forms of recording stuff because that's the issue that we have with 
with our history on earth is what can we access and what's been lost because it just didn't survive and that continues to be a problem like we're digitizing right but now lots of people mm-hmm. are going oh what with things being in the cloud and subscription services and stuff and things disappearing off streaming that you're never seeing again because it doesn't exist in digital form you can't buy the dvd it just isn't an option so at what point do you start then losing things because this used to happen with ye oldie doctor who like there is original episodes of doctor who that no one has access to doesn't exist because the BBC, I don't know, lost the box with the tapes Fuck, in it. Fuck, yeah, cool, So, whoa. like, there's stuff like that where we thought we moved on from that because we were going digital, right? So now suddenly you had access to everything. But if we're now putting things in the cloud and going to streaming, you still face that loss. And I'm reading a great book at the moment. It's called Cloud Cuckoo Land. It's unhinged. Like, it's just so clever it makes me angry. <laughs> but it is basically about books and about stories and about the preservation of history and... There's a whole bit in it where it talks about books like Men Can Die, and that used to happen in antiquity, right? So in Constantinople, there was this big thing about when a ship appeared in harbour, they would confiscate all the books and copy them and then give them back. Yeah, yeah. So Constantinople became this big, like, library of the world, basically. Alexandria did the same. Yeah, but then you have a fire, and then Mm. the sacking, the great sacking of Constantinople. What happened to all those books? They're gone because someone yeah. decides, like, it's heretics, right? Or yeah, this is yeah. not... Just burn the books. The books die because mm. they get left out in the rain. They're not written in a way that's preserved parchment and paper and they yeah, just flake yeah. away. And mm. it's not permanent. So there's this idea that you can... And I think especially because I'm an aspiring author and authors have this idea that, oh, this is a way for me to live forever, but your book might just have one publishing run and never again and then never see the light of day. There's just no guarantee for permanence in this life. No, absolutely not. And who knows what? will happen in our digital future. Mm. Like, we have everything now that's being moved from the physical to the the digital. And what if, you know, hopefully not, but in these, like, end times we off joke about, (laughs) we lose big chunks of stuff, we lose clouds, we lose ability to to retrieve things. We'll have to go back to oral history, because that's all we have. Yeah. Someone just has to remember, be like, so in season eight of Grey's Anatomy, (laughs) we rejoin the cast. (laughs) Oh my god. We're gonna have to, because you remember so many of them, we'll have to put on two women performances of the Simpsons episodes. (laughs) (laughs) And Seinfeld, I could do Seinfeld as well. Yeah, awesome. Shit's Creek. Oh yeah, I could definitely do Shit's Creek. Drive to Survive. Like, imagine. (laughs) I made my dad watch all of the first season of Drive to Survive. Yeah, fuck yeah. That's like peak Daniel Ricciardo season. (laughs) Um, Yeah, stuff like that. Mm. Like, that's gonna, that's gonna happen, dude. Maybe. And I think that's interesting as well when we talk about preservation, right? Because in this episode, people are preserved in the cloud. Mm. River Song is essentially dead. It's just her consciousness that now lives. Yeah. Which I don't know is that's, that's weird. Nice thing to do. No, I literally wrote down like song and dead teen trapped in a computer simulation forever, question mark? Like what is it? What life is that? Yeah, like, and is he gonna go and let them free like die eventually no like, yeah they just, they just live, live in purgatory forever uh, but are they treated because they all just came in white which is very like or like hit us with the heaven allegory <laughs> jesus christ stephen <laughs> but yeah it's like do they can they grow old there mm. can they like and also just meet other people it's very like i don't want to be stuck with my work colleagues forever jesus christ <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> imagine we get purgatory fucking awful but like just... delete me delete me I don't want to live in here anymore. Which is great. We can just go straight into the episode discussion now because yeah, this yeah. Is another thing I want to talk about is these random children that River Song now has to look after, I yeah. guess. Yeah. No, Do it's they very get weird. Older? No, I don't know. And like, yeah. I really feel for Donna. I feel like she just gets a number done to her in this instance. Yeah, dude. Oh my God. Okay, there's lots to unpack. So 
skipped a random obs. I think a lot of this will yeah, come yeah, from yeah, random yeah, obs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two things. I don't know why I wrote therapy in all caps exclamation mark, but I started off my notes with that. Okay, cool. And then I said the library is a happy place. So I don't know if those two things are related. Oh, does it open because it opens with the girls in therapy? Oh, and yeah. like every time she closes her eyes, she, she goes, goes to, to the, the library, library and they're like, mm. the library's fake, and she's like, it's in my head, and they're like, it's in your head, and she's like, I know, it's in my head. <laughs> And but I we love to see therapy being no, positively we portrayed. We do. We do. I mean, until it turns out that Dr. Moon is maybe like a bit nefarious, but he's like not nefarious. It's just all like a construction. Yeah. I mean, she's a personification of a computer. Also, that's yeah, fucking bizarre. But like, like, like oh, she God. was like ill and so then they just made Again, her into a computer. Made her into purgatory. Like, to give her a purpose? Dude, let her die. That's such a weird thing to do. Like, who are you doing that for? You're not doing that for the person. You're doing that for yourself. Like, yeah. Because you want to go and like visit her and she's a face in a statue. Very weird. Yeah, I um, did not like the face. Dead face when they described them. They're like, oh yeah, people just go to the flesh banks. Oh. That is a compound noun I did not need in my life. <laughs> when the astronauts turn up, which turn out to be archaeologists, I tried really hard in my mind to come up with a pun that was along the lines of like, astrocologist, but I didn't get that. But you know what I mean. An astronaut archaeologist. They kind of look like the stig. They do look like the stig. My partner this out as well. And I was like, yeah, they do look like the stig. <laughs> So, starting with the app, when we have a big flyover shot of this library planet, when we realise it's in the girl's head, mm. CGI better. I did. Bit janky, but mm. compare that to season one, episode one. It's chalk and fucking cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, budget, time, like everything there. Can't wait to, it. to see the new season when we have that Disney money. I think it's going to be bizarre. I think it's going to be like movie level, but hopefully maybe still with Doctor Who spirit. So you're like, everyone's just like, ha ah. Still a Dalek with a toilet <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like incredibly realistically CGI'd backgrounds and it's a Dalek being like, exterminate. <laughs> and you're like, no, not the whisk. <laughs> the whisk of doom. Yeah. Listen, I want to go to a planet sized library and I want to smell all the books. I think it'd be so dope. I think it'd be really dope. Though, how are we getting around it? They had little like, carts. Did you see? Like, there was like a monorail situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But dude, a planet? How big's the planet, man? Why don't it take me like 24 hours to get to fucking non-fiction? <laughs> like, They've got teleport. Oh, they do have it. There is a teleport yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, cool, that's like cool, a cool. key yeah, part yeah, of yeah. the plot, Jim. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a second to talk about the PA, hmm. Elon Musk's second wife, Tallulah Riley. Wow. Yeah. This is about the time that she started dating him as well. So they got married about this time. He, she is vastly younger than him, but like whatever. So he left his first wife with whom he had like five children yeah. or something. And then, yeah, started dating Tudor Riley. They got married. Then they broke up for a bit. And then like one of them filed for divorce and then they reconciled. And then they filed for divorce for realsies right, right, a bit right. after and before he got with Grimes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So weird. Yeah, no. Did he Stepford wife her as well like he did with his first wife? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. First wife wrote a great piece for, I think, Vanity Fair about basically how he just started turning her into some sort of blonde. Oh my God, I need to read it. Okay, cool. Yet Um, another humanoid-like statue corruption. (gasps) Yeah. It's Mm. kind of a bit samesy. Head's too full. Need a bigger head? (laughs) Mode. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. I don't like that the archaeologists are mean to the PA. Yeah. It's really dumb. They're intellectual assholes. They are. But also then the doctor is also an intellectual asshole when he's like, I'm a time traveller. I point and laugh at archaeologists, which is quite funny. (laughs) Yeah, but like they're just doing their best. Like he had, like no one else has got a fucking TARDIS, mate. Gee, like don't be a dick. 
<laughs> Ritual purposes. Yeah, right? Oh god, the whole thing of the data ghosts. Yeah, data ghosts. Fucking grim. Very grim. Also, speaking of Miss Evangelista, the PA. Yeah. When she says, my dad said I had the IQ of a plankton and I was pleased. Like, poor girl. It makes I me know. think of people who get told they're stupid and then they just internalize that, but they're not actually stupid. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was talking to my housemate about this because there's a school near us that kind of does this to its students. Like, considered a very academic school. That's how it convinces rich people to send its kids there because it's like, we're so academic. We have this greatest grade point average in the area or whatever. But they actively ask people who don't retain that academic level to leave so they of course have good academics because they kick out all the people yeah. who, who drag down the curve and i happen to have a friend who went to this school and she genuinely thinks that she's slow she's not mm-hmm. but because this is the like she had to get a tutor in order to not get kicked out of school and all this stuff but like she was getting b's you know what i mean yeah so fuck like, off yeah it's just she has a different way of learning she's not like a parroting academic like me yeah yeah and so like you tell people these things and you tell people that they're not good enough or that oh you're too pretty to be smart or this that or the other thing and then they start to believe it yeah it's awful and she doesn't get any i mean like apart from the whole weird redemption at the end in like computer heaven but also she only gets that because they mess up her looks which is a weird message to send to be like oh she's ugly now so now she's smart makes me uncomfortable i think we've said before in the Stephen moffat episodes how he sometimes writes female characters is a bit fucked well and rtd as well actually probably more so but yeah that's not it's not great and so she's in these like victorian widow's weeds because her face is so messed up but it's like oh they they messed up the the copying but now i'm super smart at Mm. the cost of my my looks you could be one of the other girls fucked up why is donna so aggro towards river I can't really figure it out. I don't know. Like, she... It's Donna, yet again, just kind of fucks me off. She goes out of her way to say that she is not romantically interested in the Doctor. Yeah. But she is so threatened by River knowing him. Yeah, that, which is weird because she hasn't been that way with other... Mm. You know, with Martha, with yeah. other characters. Like, she's yeah. not been like this at all, which is one of the things we liked about Donna. But she is so incredibly aggressive in her approach to River. Like, there's no mm. curiosity... There's no, like, empathy. It's just straight up aggro. She's being aggro and dismissive and, like, standoffish. And I can't figure out why. Like, I'm trying to... I don't want to say it's just, like, a plot hole because it's written by a different person. Like, I'm trying to find a reason for it in world and I cannot find a reason. Yeah, no. I think the closest I got to it was because, you know, she has that that chat with Miss Evangelista because everyone's being rude to her. Mm. And she has that chat about being like, hey, you know, like, they're being mean to you, but you're not stupid. Like, you can help too. And... Maybe it's tapping into those feelings of insecurity that she has Mm. for being just like working class, very normal life, very, you know, feeling like she's not as intelligent as the doctor or worldly as him. And then someone turns up who she sees as kind of basically the version of her, you know, someone that has clearly been, yeah, Yeah. has been his companion, knows him very well, is extremely intelligent and across all this shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so she is threatened and it comes out as aggressive. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But take a second to fucking unpack that then. Like, give us some emotional growth. Yeah. Rather than just making her, like, bitchy. Yeah. Which is unusual for Donna. Yeah. But I do feel for her because that whole, like, being half teleported must have hurt a lot. And also just, like, having a whole fictional life. A life that she actually wants. Like, she's someone who wants to get married, who wants to have children. We know this about her. And then she gets to live this life and it's very cruel. (laughs) It is fucked up, man. And because it's, like, meant to happen over years. And yes, she gets jumped through it in bits. But not insignificant chunks. Like, she's living this for a long time. She feels it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she marries a man 
don't know who I feel looks like an off-brand Dominic West. Yeah, but also problematic that she's like, he can't say anything. I, oh my God, she keeps being like that. He's my perfect man. So hot and he struggles to say a word. Yeah. Which is again, a very problematic gender stereotype, right? Like yeah. women just nag and men just need to shut up and take it kind of thing. Like women just want a man who never talks back. It's really gross, dude. It is gross. And I think, I don't know, maybe by a function of what media we choose to watch now, but it feels like super dated to see that on TV. Yeah. I'm sure if we went looking for it, we'd find some TV that still does that stuff, but very, not in the mainstream. Yeah, no, it's very married with children sort of kind of vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, now nah, we've we've moved on. At least to the point where TV showrunners know it's not okay to put on it, mm. whether people's minds in their own homes or whatever. Like, I'm not saying no one thinks like that anymore, but they just know it's not cool to put that on TV, yeah. especially in a nominally kid show. Although, interesting, I saw an interview with Russell T. Davis recently where he said, oh, you know, it's not a kid show. I want to really dissuade people of the notion that it's a kid show. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's always been a kid show. It's 100% a kid show. But okay, guy. Yeah. I mean, you can think what you like, Russell. <laughs> But it's all it's on a, a child-friendly time. No one's fucking in it. Like, no <laughs> one swears. It's a kid's show, dude. Once we start singing alien sex, then it won't be a kid's show. Torchwood. Yeah, right? Torchwood <laughs> is the adult version. And yeah. Did you like the analogy of books as trees? Like, and microspores. Mm. You love a spore? I do love a spore. <laughs> you love a fungi? I do. Look. A fun guy. Yeah, I love fun guys. <laughs> no, as soon as he was going to the, the forest thing, I was like, oh, it's the books. I feel like it got foreshadowed heavily. Mm. But yeah, it was, it was interesting because like, presumably so many cultures and species of the universe aren't recording stuff on paper. Yeah. So they, they've had to... Well, I mean, maybe it's just all the ones that do do use paper are there and there's t- other types of books that didn't get polluted because they're not paper, but... Or are they just transcribing everything onto paper? Yeah, maybe they are because they're like, we want the physical experience. Yeah. He does make that point at the beginning of that when she's like, but isn't it just all digital? And he's like, yeah, but some people come here for the physical. Yeah, and the smell, right? And he's not wrong. Nothing smells as good as a book. Like when you yeah. walk into a bookstore, it's a great yeah, smell. Like, oh, yeah. Amazing upper body strength yet again from the doctor. I mean, insane, because the man (laughs) never works out. If anything, he just does, like, really patchy, intense cardio when he's running away from monsters. (laughs) Like, I've never seen him lift a weight. He's built like a whippet. Like, but yet he can, like, hang from a hand. (laughs) That's true. He has an amazing grip strength. I wonder if he just does a lot of pull-ups in the time. Yeah, he's just got a hangboard. You know, like, he's a climber. It's just two fingers and it's like... He's like, this is all I need. No, I this mean, is cardio. To be fair, his build may help in the power to strength ratio, right? That's true, yeah. Like, he's not got much to haul. <laughs> yeah. What did River say? She said his name. She did say his name, yeah. His real name. So, his time Lord is name. it implied that they had a romantic relationship? Yeah. Okay, okay. And then that's why he would have told her his name in yeah. pillow talk. And I mean, he's genuinely shocked by it, right? Yeah, like He yeah. just can't figure out who this person is or why she knows so much about him. She has a sonic screwdriver. Tell him he can open the, the TARDIS with a click of his fingers. Imagine if someone came into your life <laughs> and was like, I know you, and then told you your deepest secret. Yeah. And you were like, well, what the fuck? Am I hallucinating? That's pretty sketchy. I do love that she has a diary, though, where she just writes everything down and then she knows where she is because she's like, it's important that I don't share too much information at any given time because he is a time traveler, right? I actually think in terms of like being a romantic relationship, that is really meeting someone where they're at. Like she's not resenting him for traveling through time. She's not resenting him for being who he is. Mm. She's like made accommodations in a way that probably makes her own life a bit more difficult and complicated. And she just meets him there. And I think that's actually 
really lovely. Yeah, she's not trying to stop him doing that. Mm-mm. Like, because he's continuing to travel. Otherwise, he would just be with her all the time, right? Until she dies. Yeah. And then he would carry on again. Or like, yeah. what? I don't know. Does he age? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, And yeah, also, it like, regenerates, right? Yeah. So that's the other thing that fascinates me about this. Because she's like... Who <laughs> knows what she's... She will have seen a future Doctor... Yeah, and she's the, still, she's like, oh, you're young. Like, she keeps saying how young he is because she's... But she's seen him in different bodies. But she still recognises him as being yeah. the doctor when she sees him, even though that's not the last body she may have seen him in, right? Yeah, yeah. But she's still like, oh. The, and it doesn't bother her that he's a different regeneration. Mm. And because she comes back, we'll see her again in future episodes when he is different regenerations as yeah. well. It is interesting. Yeah, it is. It's super cool. I think she's a great actor. Yeah, I Alex Kingston. Yeah. She has beautiful hair. She does. I think that every time. Yeah. Imagine waiting 400 years in a computer hard drive, waiting to be sent, just like sitting there. What about those people? They're coming back to life, right? The doctor downloads them or whatever it is yeah, that he does. Yeah, and yeah. now they're Jiggery back in their corporal form, right? Yeah. Corporal form? All dressed in black and all just looking like they're in like a work mixer. And they're <laughs> like, like, oh, hello, hello, hello. They were theatre you know, people oh, run yeah, up yeah, on stage. And we're trees. And we're trees. And we're gorillas. We're gorillas. We're gorillas. We're, and we're... But they've been waiting for a hundred years. So what about their families and friends? They yeah, went to the library. hundred percent. And then they just vaporized. And then now everyone, like three generations are down the track. And what they're just happens? like, oh, the fabled great aunt Stephen's back who disappeared a hundred years ago. She wants well, her house back. Yeah. Now. We just have to like keep, get you up to date. Um, like none of their stuff would still exist. Their families are dead. I know. What but the happens looks on their now? Faces is like, oh, ha-ha, but they. Like, I don't think they've realized that. No, which is terrifying. Gone... <laughs> you, think, yeah. You'd like break down. I'd be like, what the fuck? Because we're presuming that they've just been like, or like Donna, I've had whole lives. Yeah, yeah, inside that. And then no, this is gonna mental breakdowns. They've got to. They need to needs all to together stay on the planet and have group therapy, and they yeah. just should just live there now because they each will know each other. Like they understand the experience. Yeah. Like they have the same thing. Of but like, if they now go back to their communities, and also who's telling them this? Because the doctor yet again is fucking off. Like he's yeah. got his own trauma now. Yeah, yet yeah. again more and, trauma for the and doctor. He's just like bye. But he hasn't briefed these people. No, there's no one. No one's debriefing them. <laughs> But also, like, at the end, we, we, Donna missed Lee. I know. So, presumably, everybody else who had had weird interactions and marriages and whatever is with someone else who is physically there. Yeah. So, like, are they going to try and, like... Recreate it? Yeah. Weird. That's probably the best outcome, because, like, they've got nothing else. Yeah, no, no, no. There's nothing to go back to. Yeah. Also, probably for reasons of budget, but we didn't see anyone who wasn't human. But presumably, yeah. it wasn't 4,000 humans that were just in the library. Anyway. Oh yeah, this reminds me that one thing about Miss Evangelista, like I said, the weird thing about her beauty being taken away and then being smart. And yeah. she said, I now have the two qualities to see absolute truth. I'm brilliant and unloved. <sighs> that is fucked up. Yeah, 100%. It really is. I want to be like Stephen Moffat who hurt you. Yeah, and like Stephen Moffat is not the hottest man on the planet, so... Ooh, I don't know what he looks like. I couldn't pick him from a, out of a fucking lineup. So it's kind of like... Yeah. You were saying a lot about people being ugly. He really is. He's laying that on. Being really smart and unloved gives you truth. No, it makes you a fucking... Asshole. Incel. <laughs> yeah. It is incel behaviour. Incel behaviour. You know when they're like, no, but no one loves me, but I, here I am on the internet and I'm writing a treatise on the reasons for women. why I'm going to do a car park shooting. Because women don't appreciate me. Yeah. They only want jocks. They say they want nice guys and yet they don't want me. Spoiler, you're not a nice, nice guy. guy. Fucking yeah. hell. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. 
some proper body horror sci-fi though with that child hooked up to the mainframe like that is fucked up yeah it really is i hate body horror i realized i did have a note saying doctor's upper body strength (laughs) another death on the doctor's hands yeah other dave other dave i love at the start when donna says you know it's very you always a death at the end like she's got his number yeah she fucking does I love also when she says to him, you know, is all right special Time Lord code for really not all right at all? And he's like, why? And she says, because I'm all right too. Like, they are fucked up by this experience. And then, you know, River goes into this big monologue at the end, beautiful voiceover. And it's all very emotional, I think. It is actually quite an emotional conclusion. Mm. The spoilers thing, the leaving of the book. Yeah. It is very emotive. But then River rounds it up because, like, sometimes, you know, just this once, everybody lives. But what kind of life is this really like everybody lives but are you Mm. really living you're in a computer yeah i think it's really bleak i think it's very odd the rest of the episode hasn't shied away from sometimes shit things happen to good people yeah and now it's kind of like ha 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 very like i don't know it seems wrapped up neatly in a way and not really sitting with actually what the horrific reality of that is yeah i don't know i wonder if the doctor regrets this later on because currently he doesn't know river but later when he's had a whole life with her He's like, I've just trapped her in a computer for eternity. Yeah. Computer eternity. Does he go back to set her free? Does he visit her? What is her life? What kind of life is this? And he like, he worked out, like he saved a version of her because he had all this time to... Yeah. So he gave her his future thing that he would have planned out because he knew what would happen. But he went, he ran down and shoved it into the thing, not knowing what was going to happen with it. He didn't know. And I thought it was going to, like, just bring her back properly. Like, everyone in the actor's workshop. But it didn't. It just put her back in the computer with the archaeology gang. And that is, like, a data ghost thing as well, right? Like, they say that your memory lingers in this. You're just a data ghost. Like, you're an imprint, an echo. So you're not even a real version of you. No, not at all. So what is the point, yet again, of doing this? It's not a real life. They've been... Yeah, they have your colleagues, but, like, you're cut off from everyone you know. Everyone you ever loved. Presumably some of them have partners and stuff. I'm like, sure, she's happy now because it's just happened to her. But how's she going to feel in 20 years, 30 years, 50 years? Like, I don't know. It's very weird. It would be, I think you wouldn't take much interrogation of it and twisting of it to make it a horror outcome. Yeah, I reckon in 50 years she comes back as a major villain. Like, you know, Mm. it's like in um, The Old Guard when they're all immortal and then the one that gets trapped in the casket under the sea comes back and is like... Oh, fuck yeah! Because you spend a thousand years drowning, waking up, drowning, waking up, drowning, waking up. And that would break a psyche. Yeah. Oh my god, when are they making Old Guard 2? I need to get on that. I know, I fucking loved it. My favourite genre of film is Charlize Theron beating up men. Yes! 100%! 100%. Oh, has she ever been a vampire? I'd love to see her as a oh, vampire. Oh, yeah. No, that is actually my... Yeah, I fucking love that. It's great. Atomic Blonde? Yeah, fucking... This is what I mean. Like, she's done a great transition into action superstar. I'm yeah. here for it. I am so into it. Cool. Well, I mean, just before we get to our standouts, generally, I really like this. these apps. Yeah. I think I wrote down cool score, pacey action, and interesting concept. Yeah, I think so. It's hitting, it's ticking boxes. And again, it's got quite a lot going on. Like, it's got layers. Like, you've got your monster of the week, but there's also the mystery of who River Song is, and then, like, the Doctor's gonna got a lot going on. I think it's got depth. And I think the, like, our last episode... We talked about how it was just a one app, not story, mm. but we had the monster of the week with the giant wasps, but mm. we also had the lair of the rich girl, working class thief, and Agatha Christie's own backstory. Mm. Like, 
I think the that layering and that complexity is it makes it more. I mean, simplistically interesting TV, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's giving it a lot more like dimension. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Rather than being like the early seasons, like I like Christopher Eccleston. I like that early season, but it did feel a lot more just like kids TV, lower budget, just get getting them out the door one with the story, writing. One story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe it's just because television sort of evolved quite a bit as a medium as well you have to think about it as a, a medium for storytelling it is very new still and i think people are treating their audiences with more respect the longer and longer it goes on like as standout television became a thing especially with hbo with like the sopranos and stuff like that it became a prestige thing mm. and this is sort of like a big shift in how television was made and produced which continues to today right like we see that now with yeah. streamers and how they make films and tv and stuff and how you've got people who would never have deigned to do television in the past doing TV now. Like yeah, actors, like yeah. proper actors. Yeah. Know? And I think maybe that is the shift we see in Doctor Who as well. Is like as television is evolving, they're treating their audience with a bit more, I guess, respect in a way that they can follow. Mm. Yeah. The, more you interesting can things. Multiple like, plot lines, subplots, different characters. You can, I mean, Game of Thrones is a classic example of that. This like absolute epic mm. with lots of different storylines, lots of different prominent characters and like yeah we're not idiots yeah which probably they would have thought wouldn't have become as huge as it was because it was such a <laughs> such yeah. a nerd thing right it is and like we've talked about it before like relatively recently this rise of really quite high concept sci-fi yeah foundation <laughs> fucking foundation man that kind of stuff june even june the popularity of yeah. june because they've tried to do this before right and like well <laughs> maybe because the films weren't very good but they didn't have the the cut through that they do now whereas now no, it's no, like no. a blockbuster like it's yeah. mainstream and this is the thing that's always fascinated me about game of thrones is that it made people who would never normally have been into sci-fi into massive nerds like they acted like nerds they were yeah. like really into the storyline they were into the theories they were doing yep. all these things that you predominantly associate with nerd culture yeah yeah yeah. Fuck but yeah. now it was your average jock doing it like yeah. proper fantasy nerds who and i would say some definitely did but i would say a lot had not and would never read the books yeah oh no absolutely yeah. not yeah because that's not that's not the medium that they want to enjoy it in yeah really mm, interesting that's interesting standouts my friend i actually really love the vashta narada as a baddie I think it's really interesting to personify the dark and make it into this thing, but also to give them like the opportunity to grow. Like they start to take control of the suits and then they're like a swarm in a suit and they're walking around and it is very creepy and very primal, as you said. And I think that's very effective to have something that's actually, you can't argue with it. You can't reason with it. It's just, Mm. just is, it's mutable. Yeah. I kind of love that. And I do love River Song. I think she's great. She's sparky. She doesn't put up with nonsense. She's just getting shit done. We love that. We love to see that. Yeah, fuck yeah. Mine is also River Song. Particularly the River Song and Doctor relationship. Mm. And the fact that she just comes in straight out of the gate and it's quickly very apparent to us and the Doctor that he does not know everything. Yeah. And he doesn't like being on the back foot. And also he's not often on the back foot in that way. And so I think David Tennant yet again does a great job. Yeah. Of like showing that emotion, showing that fear in the face of Vashta Narada at the same time as being like, what the fuck's happening with River Song? Yeah. And it's interesting as well because like he's so used to getting his way and she's just like, nah. Mm. Yeah. I'm the one with the power here. You don't know what's going to happen. I can't let you know. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. I've got the same amount of info as you do about the universe. You can't push me around, which is how he often gets around and does things because he's like i know more than you but not in this time well and like he makes the point to donna earlier in this episode that like oh you know 
as much as I can, I'm strategic about where I take you. Yeah. So he is kind of controlling without her knowing, like, oh, actually, no, I'm only, I'm allowing you to see what I want you to see within reason. I love when he also said, I don't land on Sundays. Sundays are boring. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Which is an interesting implication that even in the a, a thousand years in different galaxies or whatever... We still got weekends. We still got weekends, but we also have Sundays because people yeah. are with the same sort of judo Christian implication that yeah. be, things aren't open on a Sunday. Weird. Like, why would that be the case in on this planet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's odd, hey. Anyway, or like we would have a weeks. Well, other planets will have weeks like us. Yeah, maybe he's just being funny and he doesn't. Yeah, mean it I think he's just being funny. Maybe the writers are like, "Fucking fans, stop analyzing everything. <laughs> we just did a thing because we had to go home." It's like in that episode of The Simpsons when Xena Warrior Princess is there and the nerds are asking her to explain why in se- episode seven of season three Xena does this thing, but in episode twelve she did this thing, and she's like, "A wizard did it." Whenever you have a question, <laughs> a wizard did it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. Great. So the TARDIS. A Time Lord did it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's us then. So next time, we'll be watching episode 10 of season 4, Midnight, which is one of my all-time faves. You can let us know your thoughts by emailing atardasofonesown at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram. We'll chuck some links in the show notes for you. And yeah, just stay tuned for more. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Happy holidays. (laughs) Bye. 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 Bye.